0: Good evening, everybody. Are you ready to worship the Lord? You know, I was really thinking about that message. You know, that was a really good message this morning. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I was sitting there just absorbing it all up. And, you know, it got me thinking, you know, the Lord has blessed me with the ability to make things out of nothing, you know. And you take this pulpit right here, for example, you know, you look at a tree and this thing is made of wood. You know, the Lord kind of gave me the ideal for it and everything else. But, you know, as good as I am with things, you know, when stuff tears up, I like to try to fix it my way, you know, or not my way, but I try to fix it, get it back working, you know, when things ain't working right. You know, that's part of my job at work, too. When something's tore up, we've got to fix it and get it going back, you know, for whatever whatever it may be. You know, given that, It don't matter how good I am at things, I can't fix myself, you know, and that hits to home really good, you know, that message really set in to me this morning, you know, because I mean, I've got problems, I'm not, I'm not 100% perfect, and I don't, I don't admit it to be, you know, I have problems, I do things the wrong way a lot of times, and I have to ask for forgiveness, you know, But I've got to learn to do that more often. You know, I'm not perfect. And you people that are watching, and maybe some here in the church, you know, we got to realize people are not perfect. You know, and you shouldn't point your finger at somebody else saying they're the problem when it could be you. You know, a lot of times we tend to want to point the finger somewhere else when the problem is ourselves. We've got to learn to admit that we did wrong and we need help from Jesus Christ because that's the only way your problem's going to get fixed. That's the only way change is going to come in your life. It don't matter if it's somebody you think it's somebody else. I'm going to tell you it's not. And I want to tell you you can take that cell phone and pull it out and pull up the camera mode and then flip the picture and look at it and what do you see? Yourself. That's the best way to do it. It's nobody else. Nobody is your problem but yourself. It ain't your kids. It ain't your wife. It ain't your husband. It's yourself. And the sooner we learn to admit that, the sooner we humble ourselves, the sooner we get down on our knees and say, Lord, help me. Let me do things the right way. Lord, help me to walk the path that I need to walk, help me to shine brighter in this dark, dimming world. And it's so, you know, it's just that message this morning really hit home to me, you know. I've not got it all together, and I don't admit to having it together, and I try not to blame my problems on other people. But we all need to do that. We all need to do that. So, dear Lord in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord. And, Lord, I'm asking you to touch each and every single body here, Lord. And, Lord, I'm asking you to touch the people behind that camera, Lord, that are sitting behind the camera. They're sitting at home by themselves, Lord. They're they're sitting there because they want to blame everybody else for their problems. They want to blame everything else for their problems, Lord. When they need to get up, get in the car, and get down to this church... Get down to these altars and ask the Lord to forgive them and help them with their problems, Lord. And we just thank you for everything you're doing. Amen.
1: Possessions can even hold of him. She's done, got ready. She's gonna fly. Come, Lord Jesus, come and get your bride. Welcome, Lord Jesus, come and get your bride. of the sin sick world sometimes our minds it can go in a world but I'm getting homesick for the home on high come Lord Jesus come and get your bride well come Lord Jesus come and get come your bride gone so dim that nurse possessions can't hold on to them she's done got ready she's gonna fly come Lord Jesus come and get your bride Welcome, Lord Jesus come and get your bride she wants to be standing Right by your side. Who? Cool. Church I'm, leaving. Church I'm leaving, I'm going to me around the throne, and I'm going to shout, my troubles are over, soon, soon as I move.
2: ninth birthday here on this earth but now she's 33 and a half years old shouting the glory down in heaven amen someday soon we're going to be where they are amen someday soon we're leaving either he's going to come and get us or we're going to go in a pine box <laughs> some kind of box but praise the lord we're going one way or the other amen and heaven's all about jesus and now i, I want to see my family and things like that but I want to see the one who died for me more than anything. Amen. That's what heaven, the Bible, the Bible's Revelation, the book of Revelation, that's what dis, is a description of what heaven is all about. And it said, the lamb is the light of that city. There be no need for the sun, the moon, or the stars because the lamb lights it all up. Praise God. And we're going to be shouting around the throne. If you have a, a, something to give tonight, we're going to ask you to give in the offering if you can. For people watching through the internet, we pray that you've been blessed. And you know, I know I know the Lord gave me that message this morning. I know he strongly gave it to me. And Brian, I'm I'm glad you were blessed by it. People were watching that were blessed by it. And the church has got none of us claim to be perfect, but you know we can live above that constant failure. And that's what we want people to understand and to to know. You can. We're, we're, we ain't saying any of us are perfect, but we can live in victory. For sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law. You're under grace. And that's what we want. Amen. So I'm glad that people were blessed by that. And I know that God is trying to, he's dealing with people he's speaking to. And with a heart like that, Brian, hold on, because God going to do some great things in you, buddy. With a heart like that, Somebody says, Lord, I know I need help. And I know, I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of people God works in. The self-righteous, I don't need none of that. That's okay. You won't get anything. But people that are desperate, the Lord will work in them. Amen. So give tonight and be blessed. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your spirit. We ask you to bless the service tonight. Lord, we ask you to move. We ask you to touch us. We ask you to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, for the word this morning. We thank you for those that have been blessed by it, God. We thank you for those that have been challenged by it. And, Lord, we're believing that great things are coming, Lord, in the days ahead, that you are preparing us for great things, Lord. And we thank you tonight. We praise you for it, Lord. We know that you're going to do great things in our heart and in our life. Move tonight in this church and bless those that give in Jesus' name.
1: me. That is good. For- i <laughs>
2: He's a big God, ain't he? He can handle your problems. That's good to know. I remember one time, I don't know where I saw it, it said, on a license plate, God is my co-pilot. Somebody said, well, you need to change seats. (laughs) He ain't the co-pilot, he's the pilot. Get off my desk, bug. Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. I saw you look at this pulpit, Brian, looking at the little stains and stuff on it up here. And it's holding up, though. Amen. Uh, tonight, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. Kind of like us, though, you know. We get all fixed up and prettied up and look good for a while, and then we get a little dull. <laughs> Yeah, little dug, we need a little shellac put on us. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. <laughs> your restoration. My daddy used to say the car needs an overhaul. The overhaul back then consisted of changing spark plugs and maybe oil. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Gas was about 75 cents a gallon. I remember we had a he had a little 1982 Ford Fiesta 4 cylinder. That thing got about forty miles a gallon we pull up to this Exxon, self, you know, this, uh, well, they'd serve you. you pull in, and you'd run over a little thing, and ding, ding. they tend to he'd come out there. He'd throw the washer on. He'd wipe the thing, and my daddy would yell out to him. And he'd say, hey, uh, the old guy's name was Red. He called him Red. He was, I think it was an albino, good little old fella." And he said, hey, Red, give me $2 worth of unleaded, $2, about 75 cents a gallon. Boy, that would run him for weeks in a little force. Boy, those days are gone, aren't they? but <laughs> well, they do everything clean the windshield check your oil put air in your tires you, some people still do some of that stuff today you, they're rare but I've run across one in Kentucky a few years ago that did that I pulled up to get something and they come out to pump my gas I thought what's going on here I said, how much gas you need I thought more in my head am I in the right in the right world here but well, sure enough there's some people still do it So Luke chapter 10 Verse 30 is so we we'll want to start reading. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and said, uh, Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that, the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him. And whatsoever you spend more when I come again, I will repay you. Which of these three, these three, do you think was neighbor unto him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit tonight that we feel, Lord, the peace that we feel in here tonight, that calm spirit, Lord, that you give, Lord, to touch us, to bless us to speak to us, Lord. I pray tonight that you open our understanding to your word, that you would make it real, Lord, that you would help us to get the gist of what it says to us tonight, Lord, that it would continue to be revealed to us, Lord. Reveal it to me. Reveal it to your people. God, reveal it to those through the Internet, Lord. Only you can give us the understanding, Lord, that we need concerning your word, Lord, tonight. And I pray that people would be blessed tonight. I pray that people would be touched tonight. If somebody needs to be corrected, Lord, bring the correction, Lord. Whatever you need to do in us, Lord, you do it, God. And, Lord, we thank you for what you've done today. We thank you for the word this morning, for the moving of your spirit, for those that are watching, Lord, that are continuing to watch Those, Lord, that you are drawing, Lord, to teach them the truth about how to live for you, Lord. We thank you tonight that there is power in the blood of Jesus and there will always be power in that blood. And help us to trust in you, Lord, to submit to you, Lord, as Brian said tonight, that we would just open our heart to you, Lord, that we would just be sensitive to your spirit when we can acknowledge that we don't have it all together, you can do great things in our heart and in our life and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen you know the thought came to me today and you said what you said tonight Brian it kind of confirmed what came to me but you know the Lord can do a whole lot more in a struggling Christian in the struggling I'm talking about those Christian who loves the Lord that may be struggling in areas of their life but they're desperate and they're crying out and they're humble and they won't to overcome whatever it is, even though they may not understand everything, God can do more in a person like that than he can. A person who will not confess their faults, ask him for help, admit they need to be changed, God can work more in the person who's struggling than he can the self-righteous. And that's a Bible fact. Jesus made it plain to the religious leaders over and over that he, he said in Matthew 11 verse, was it 28, 29, somewhere down through there, that I, he said, I, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent. You have hid these truths from these wise men who claim to know you but reject Me and refuse to let you change their heart. I thank you that you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent, but you have revealed them unto babes. And that's a biblical principle. So I'm going to tell you, uh, humility will get you a whole lot further than pride. (laughs) Humility will get you a whole lot further than religion. And, and I, I go back to my own life again. I said some things this morning. I remember, you know, when we were struggling, I was desperate. I was crying out. I wasn't no hypocrite. I just didn't know how to get the victory. I didn't know doctrine. I didn't understand what God was wanting to show me at the time. But my heart was sincere. I was repenting. I'm saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I'm doing and I don't want to do this. And every single time God would always touch me, always forgive me. I'd go on and continue to live for Him and experience great things in my life only, but you know, to fail later on again down the road and do it in a, in a, on a consistent basis till I learn the message of the cross. But my point is because you got people in the church that says if you don't know the message of the cross, God won't do anything in you wrong. I say that if you know Jesus Christ, and you've got a repentant spirit, and you're willing to say, Lord, I'm sorry, and help me, God will get you a whole lot further than the self-righteous who thinks he don't need anything. He will. And we see some of this in this story tonight that, I, uh, as I told you, I was reading this this week. I thought I was going to preach it this morning, but the Lord changed it. But I still felt like the Lord kept it for me for this evening. The story here is really not so much about... Um, the man who fell among the thieves, even though it's used to give us an illustration and some points about some things. But the story really doesn't center around that man there so much as it does this other man who asked the question to Jesus, this lawyer, the Bible says that he was a lawyer. It said that he stood up, in the midst of the congregation where Jesus was ministering, and it said he tempted Jesus. He tempted him. Boy, that's the wrong thing to do. Trying to tempt God, questioning the word of God. That's really what tempting God is, questioning the word of God. And it said he tempted him. He said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and, and as... He's coming from a self-righteous standpoint. This, this, you know, you know how lawyers are, don't you? You know how uppity-ups are, don't you? You know how, <laughs> I remember, you know, people, lawyers especially, I mean, we've had a few in our lifetime. I remember we had one over my broken leg issue, had to have one. And boy, he was the nicest thing you could ever meet in person while he was discussing your case and knowing he's going to get his share. And I told my wife, and and he did, he did everything, got through all that, but we would run into him, you know, at um soccer games. McKay was playing soccer. His daughter played soccer. And and you know, we'd already talked several times in the office about my case and everything, just different other things. And we would go to the soccer games and I'd walk, be walking down the field and he come walking by and I'm like, Hey man, how you doing? He just put his nose up and just walked right by me like he I thought you, are you kidding me? I thought you thief. <laughs> just want somebody's money and you act like you don't even know them. Come on, y'all. <laughs> and I told my wife, I said, that ain't right. That is wrong. But yet he's the deacon. Of a big Baptist church. Lawyers. Not just lawyers. We know there's other people in other professions. Same same way. But they somehow think that they're, they can earn their way to heaven by what they do. Belonging to a church. Being on a committee. Belonging to the synagogue. Being a Jew. Being a Baptist be in a whatever. And this, this man has the nerve to tempt, to question Jesus Christ. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But the way I read this, I don't know exactly how, well, from what standpoint he was coming from, but I kind of get the sense that it was coming from a self-righteous standpoint because the scripture said he was doing it to tempt or to test Jesus. But... He, he thought that he already had eternal life. That's what he thought. Because the, the scripture is going to bear it he said, bear it out. He said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said in him, he said, what is written in the law? He said, hey, what's written in the law? What's written in the word? And he said this, he said, how do you read what it is? How do you understand what you read in the The Bible. I can put a, I can answer everybody's question right now that might be thinking, what do I do to get to heaven? Listen, your understanding must come from not the world, the Word. Because the world will say, well, you're good. You do this and you do this and you do this and you be good to people. You open the door for that little old lady at the at the post office. You do these good things and you do that. And somehow, God will allow you into heaven. I heard Brother Larson say this one time and it's really good. He said... It's hard for people to imagine that the little old elderly woman across the street that bakes the cookies for all the kids in the neighborhood, that she could die and go to hell rejecting Jesus Christ and doing all those good things for the neighborhood. That is the attitude of most of the world. They think Because of what they do, and this is what we have to be broken of. The whole message this morning, that's really part of that. We have to be broken of self. You can't, look, you can't do anything to get to heaven, just like we said, you can't do anything to change yourself. You must Except Jesus Christ, you must believe in your heart that He died for your sins. See, you see, sin is the reason that He died. But most people don't want to go there. Sin, no, let's, no, let's just talk about the good things that we all do. You got a charity for this, a charity for this, a charity for this, a program for this. People give money to everything under the sun. And people say, oh, that is so great. Wow, the world is being changed by them. Mm -mm. Man can't cure cancer. Man can't cure most diseases. Man can't cure alcoholism. Man can't cure drug addiction. But Jesus Christ can break it. Jesus can heal it. Jesus can change it. And so Jesus, he comes tempting him, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? What is your interpretation of the word? And so he says, he responds to Jesus by saying, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He had it right in theology. He had it right in the head. Well, I know what the law says. Be good to people. (laughs) Love God. Be, Be nice treat your neighbor right. Love the Lord. Love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus answered to him. He said, okay, well, now that you're confessing that, do it. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Oh, I, I hear you talking. Okay, now do it. <laughs> in other words, what, what did James say in James one twenty two? Be ye Doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So if you're believing right, look, you're gonna do right. And listen, the result of believing right, you can't, you can't love your neighbor. You can't love lost souls like you should until you let Jesus Christ first reveal His love to you. To whom much is forgiven. The reason why some people, you know, the Scripture said they love, seem to love the Lord so much, they've been forgiven. They understand how much they've been forgiven. Like that woman who burst into that room when Jesus with his disciples, with that alabaster box of ointment, and broke it over his feet and was wiping his feet with her hair, and crying and weeping and and worshiping him and, you know, the self-righteous were sitting in the house and if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her near him. And Jesus, knowing their heart, knowing their thoughts, said, hey, you know, well, wait just a minute. I know what you're thinking. I can feel your self-righteous spirit. You know, when I came to the doorsteps of your house you didn't open up for me. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't even welcome me. You just opened the door for to have me as a guest. But this woman right here, <laughs> since the time she got through the door, she can't stop. She can't because her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. She loves me a lot. She understands What I have, she understands forgiveness. She knows who to come to, to be forgiven. So if you understand that, then you demonstrate it to other people. He said, if you do this, you shall live. In other words, he's not saying, well, if you do these things, you go to heaven. He's saying that these things are a result of you understanding how to have a relationship with God. And today we say it's the same way by you understanding who Jesus Christ is and his forgiveness for all of your sins and when you do eternal life is the result. And look at something else that is a result is Love, you're going to love God. He's going to come first. Not last. He used to come last, if anything at all. But he comes first now. You get up thinking about him. You go to bed thinking about him. You go to work thinking about him. You can't get your mind off of the Lord when you come to know him. Is anybody here tonight? You can't get away from loving him, having a relationship with him, reading his word. And the next thing is you're going to have a love for other people. It's natural. It's the end result. Too many times I think in the church we we have to be careful because we kind of think, well, if I show too much affection or love toward this person, people are going to think that I'm condoning their sin. No. We love the world. We love the lost. I love lost people. I love people that are drunk tonight right where I used to be. I'm not going out where they are. I ain't going to drink with them. I have no desire to. I don't want to, but I need at the same time to be able to love them enough that if God sends somebody to me to not shut them out, but demonstrate the love that He has given to me and let them know that He loves them. These are the, the, this is a result of being saved. I don't, you don't do these things to earn anything with God or to get to heaven. We do these because we know the Lord. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? I think it was in John chapter 5. He said, 5, 39, 40, he says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, Jesus said. He said, but you will not come unto me that you might have life eternal. Search the scriptures. What do you mean? That's all they did. He said, in them, you think because you belong to a synagogue, you think because you're a Jew, you think because you have an understanding of the law that you have eternal life. But the, the thing you're missing is, God sent me, Jesus said, to give you salvation, to give you eternal life. But you won't, he said, you won't come to me. And they wouldn't. They rejected him, they cursed him, they crucified him, and they're still suffering the penalty today. and every person who every person in America, around the world who rejects Jesus Christ will suffer the punishment. You will suffer the penalty. Does anybody remember how much suffering you went through before you got saved? Boy, I put myself through some suffering. I came It's a miracle. I'm here today. You too. The suffering, the misery, the pain, the problems, the trouble, all a result of pushing away the Lord. And you don't get better, you just get worse. And I tell you, my worst day living for the Lord is a whole lot better than all the days living for the devil any day of the week. I'd rather live for Jesus and suffer persecution, let them laugh at me, let me fail, let me mess up, let me stay close to God. I'd rather go through all that than to go out and live for the devil and him become my master again because he is a hard taskmaster. He gets you in chains and he keeps you in chains and the only way out is to open up and surrender to Jesus. That's the only way out of that bondage. So Jesus responded to him. He said, okay, if you you do this, I hear you talking about my word. I hear you confessing what it is you believe, but here's what we need to see. Do it. You're talking about it, but you ain't doing it. Come on. You're talking about it, but you ain't living it. You're talking about it, but you're not able to practice it. So he says, if you have, a under, you have a true understanding of God's word, the result is going to be that you are going to love the Lord and you're going to love other people. So then when Jesus said that to him, here's the Bible said he came back to Jesus and he says, okay, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell you who you're not. Your, I, I mentioned it this morning, you heard me. I said that your neighbor is not necessarily the person who lives beside you or down the road from you. Not, not, not according to the Bible, it is. But that's not who Jesus is talking about. The, the, Jesus said, he said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So, and I'm assuming that this man is probably a Jew from Jerusalem to Jericho. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, looked, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. A certain man was in a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, and somewhere in his journey, while he was traveling on this road of life, An enemy showed up. A thief showed up. And he was caught off guard. And he was robbed. He was beaten. He was left for dead. You know who that sounds like? It sounds to me like Satan. The one that the Bible said, that Jesus said, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Do you know that we all tonight know people that are in this position, the devil has blindsided them. The devil has hit them. The devil has taken them down to the ground, has caught them off guard and beaten them and got them in control in some way or another and he's trying to kill them and he's trying to leave them for dead. He wounded him. The thieves... And said he departed, leaving him half dead. They stripped him, wounded him, and left him for dead. Sounds like Satan to me. That's exactly what he's doing to the world. I got people in my family, how about you, that he's done that to. He's done a pretty good job with them. Some of them, it shouldn't happen. And so sometimes, sometimes I think, what? Why won't people just listen? Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, you, you can be delivered from Satan. You can be delivered from sin. You can be delivered from all that that misery. I have to live off of this person and live off of this person and depend on this and, and depend on that and, and have to go through this system of, of ups and downs and and in and out. And you think, why? won't you listen? You don't have to live like that. And But then nevertheless, we have those who, let's say they know the Lord. They've been saved. But somewhere they got off track in their journey, living for the Lord. And Satan got a hold of them. He had, because they turned their back, maybe. Maybe they're ignoring God's way. Maybe they're ignoring God's word. Maybe pride is in the way. I don't know. Just whatever. And Satan has taken them. He's beaten them. He's stripped them. He took them out of church. Took them away from their family. Took them away from whatever. And he's isolated them and he is trying to destroy them. Jesus said that this man and it's a true story. This is not fiction. It's a true story that really happened. Jesus didn't make up stuff. He was telling a true story of something that really happened to get a point across to this self-righteous man about what real Christianity really is. About to to teach him that about a real relationship with God Almighty will produce a love for God and a love for others, even those that have been beaten, even those that Satan has stripped. And it said, uh, verse 31, it said, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way on the road where this wounded man was people traveling up and down the road i said here came a priest a holy man a cross preacher <laughs> a man that sits in a church where the truth is a man who's supposed to know the lord a man that loves the lord and it said a priest came by down us or that way and when he saw him look He passed by on the other side. Here's a man wounded. Here's a man beaten. Here's a man the devil is about to destroy. And here comes the self-righteous. And he walks by and he sees this man wounded. He, okay, it's not that he's blind. He don't, he sees him. Okay, he knows his condition. He sees what's going on and he looks at him and he just walks right on by. Well, you shouldn't have been traveling down this road. You shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have been doing this. You shouldn't have been doing that. He didn't say it, but maybe he's thinking it. Or maybe he thinks he's just too good to deal with somebody like that. And he just walks right on by. Sorry about your luck. You you must have done something to bring a curse on yourself. You must have done something bad. I'm not touching you. I don't want to be cursed. <laughs> And then it said, and likewise, a Levite, the priest and a Levite, these are men who worked in temples. These are men who were supposed to, look, know God's Word. These are men who supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here comes a Levite. When he was at the place, he came and it said he looked on him. At least he stopped and looked. The other one just walked right on by. This one, it said, he looked on him. So he paid attention somewhat. He looks him over, but that's as far as he goes. I'm sorry that you're wounded. Wish I could help you, but I got things to do. I got places to go. I wonder if we, us, if we've ever passed up an opportunity to help a wounded brother. I wonder if we, in family worship, have ever passed up somebody out in town. If we've ever passed up somebody that needs to be Pulled and snatched from the jaws of the devil. Somebody that's hurting, that's wounded. There's people out there that don't know the message of the cross. They're beaten up by Satan. They're wounded. He's trying to leave them for dead. And you and I, church, we got the answer. So we can't walk right on by them. We can't just look and say, I'm sorry that you're in that condition. And I'm not saying that we... There's homeless people all over this town now. There's stragglers. They're up and down the road everywhere. Most of them, they don't want a job. They don't want to work. They won't hand out. They want you to give them money. I told my wife a while back, I said, I'm starting to become a little less merciful for some people. I mean, seeing it. The con- and then... And the attitude is like some of these people think that you owe them something for not working, for living on the street. Must have got it from Joe Biden. Must have got it from the government. The ones who want people to depend on them so they can control them. I pray like Adam said this morning, God changes this stuff later this year when it's time to vote, and I hope everybody votes, and you better vote right, because if we have another four years of what we've had, we have we're heading for some serious trouble. And look, we're Christians; we love the Lord, we're saved. God's going to make a way for us. So I'm not saying I'm worried about it, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Knowing what's going on and, and look, and running this little business I'm doing and seeing people, dealing with people, fixing stuff for people. People are struggling. People are having hard times. This, the government has put a killing on people. They're oppressing people. And I know the true condition. They're lost without the Lord, but forget about that when you barely can make ends meet as it is and then everything goes up. And then you got to choose, are you going to buy a little bit of food? Or are you going to put gas in the car? What are you going to do? And people are having a crunch put on them. In. And in some ways, I think God has allowed it to happen because the Lord wants to crush people. God wants people to know that they need to come to him. They need to surrender to him. You know, every time Israel, what happened when Israel got away from God? What did he do? He sent famine, he sent pestilence, he sent sickness, he sent (laughs) locusts. He let things happen. And I'm going to tell you, America ain't no different. God established this nation, he did. He used men to establish this free country so that the gospel of Jesus Christ and even in the midst of all the mess, we are still the greatest nation on the face of the earth, barely. But slowly, we're heading towards Middle East countries. Communist countries. Controlled by dictators. Only a few are rich. Only a few have the wealth. And they want to take it from the citizens and use it for themselves. Big government. We don't need no more big government. We need a big God. And while this stuff is going on, I believe that the Lord He He He's He's allowed Satan to have His way, so to speak, and the devil is beating people down. He is even people that are lost. He's a taskmaster. He wears them out. But Christians too, have, if we don't understand or, or live this thing out, let this walk with Jesus become real. Not, we're not trying to inherit eternal life. You don't inherit eternal life. An inheritance is something that you're born, that you're given to by birth. We don't, you're not a Christian by birth. You must be born again. So there's no, nothing you can do to get to heaven but accept Jesus Christ and believe in Him. It said the Levite When he came to the place, he looked on him and passed by on the other side. So the priest and the Levite, two people that are supposed to serve the Lord, represent God, know the law, know the word. When this man is laying down, hurting, wounded, and dying, they have absolutely no compassion on him. How can a Christian See somebody hurt. How can a Christian see another Christian that's beaten down by the devil, hurt, and just go right on, walk right on by like there's nothing wrong? And that Christian can have an opportunity to be the one to be used by God to help that hurt, fallen brother. We have to check ourselves. To make sure that our hearts are right, <sighs> I'm going to have to say something. I think. What about the wounded people that leave church from time to time that Satan has his way with? Well, hey, they shouldn't have done. No, no, just stop all that. You, you who know the truth, you who know Galatians chapter 6 about restoring a brother that's fallen. And I understand, listen, don't anybody get the wrong idea tonight. You hear us, tell you this. We don't run after everybody when something happens all the time. We don't do that. I don't jump and run the first time something happens with somebody and somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know what's going on with so-and-so and da-da-da and you should call. I don't do it. I wait. I pray. I find out what the Lord wants me to do. I don't just jump. But have we ever pushed somebody Down further that we could have helped. You know, you can't depend on Thomas and Melissa. And I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, we're the pastors. You hear, I'm here preaching two, three times a week. You hear me all the time preaching the gospel. So everybody is hearing it. So it, when something happens with somebody, maybe it needs to be you instead of me. May, just maybe. They've heard me long enough. Maybe they need to hear your voice. Maybe they need to hear from... Maybe you might be the one that God might use that. It'll click. They'll listen to something. And it'll spare them. It'll help restore them. We just got to be careful that we don't find ourselves passing people up. And again, I'm not a babysitter. I, you hear her say, we don't believe in babysitting people. I ain't going to follow somebody around all the time trying to make sure they stay on a straight nail. I'm not going to do it because you've got to learn. I, I made this statement recently. Look, we all, can't, we all can't remain babies. Babies can't take care of babies. Babies can't take care of babies. Adults have to take care of the children. So we all have to grow and we have to be mature enough that when God wants to use us to reach out to that hurting person that we can be used, that we don't find ourselves passing by on the other side while saying, I know the message of the cross. Because the evidence that is that if you do and you know the Lord and your heart's right, love is going to be the result. You're gonna you're gonna have compassion on that person. You're gonna feel for them. You're gonna you're gonna pray for them. Because Satan is doing everything he can to destroy the Christian. He's doing everything he look, he's working all over this world. He's working in Athens, Tennessee. He tries to work in family worship center. He's a thief. He's a liar. He shows up. He trips people up. He tries to destroy people. And we just want to be careful that we make sure that we're not there helping him do his work. We want to make sure that we ain't just passing up an opportunity to reach out to somebody. Because that's what our whole church is about. We are about souls. We're here to reach other people. If we don't love people, we can't reach people. Jesus said, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another." That's how they're going to know that you're truly a child of God because you love other people. You don't condone sin. You don't look I I'm just like you. I, you heard me. I get agitated when I, when somebody's been told something over and over and over, and yet they ignore it and they go on and do what they've been told they shouldn't do. I get agitated. How about you? There ain't a person in this place that don't. There's nothing worse than than, than you know. As I said, you tell somebody, look, if you'll do it this way, and if you'll submit to God and follow the right way. You can have victory and you don't have to go down this road again. And then you see the person do it. And it breaks your heart and it, and, and it, it, it agitates you. You're like, ooh, would you listen? <laughs> you know, like your kids when you're raising your children, would you listen to me? Miss <laughs> Grace, did you ever have to tell Lisa that? Surely not. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to tell them time time to <laughs> Look, I'm your mama. I know what I'm talking about, girl. I've been there. Hey, Michaela, we know <laughs> she can hear me. How many times did we tell them? You don't don't do that. Do it this way. Don't do, look look. Follow the word and. But you know what, even though they disobey, even though they do it wrong, we don't kick them out. We don't throw them away. We're there to still help them when they reap the results that are negative. We're there to pray with them, we're there to guide them, we're still we're there to help them. So we don't want to, you know, find ourselves passing by people while claiming to know the truth. And and you know what, you can love we are I believe everybody in this place tonight loves the Lord. I believe that. But you know, our love, if we ain't careful, it can grow a little cold. <laughs> it can grow. You can get a little cold in some areas. I know. I've seen it happen in my own life through the years. And I'd say, oh, God, help me. Lord, soften me and help give me a greater love for people. Give me a great Lord situations that I've dealt with with people and you can be tempted to to be hard, you know, getting hardened in the area and you have to be sensitive to the Lord. Say, oh Lord, help my heart to stay soft. I'm not accepting what they're doing wrong, but I love them. And you have to be able to love people enough to tell them the truth. Number one, love without truth is hypocrisy. Love without truth is not love. You have to tell people the truth when in situations. So the Bible said, after they passed by, it said, A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and look, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. A Samaritan? A half-breed? You mean this man who's outside of the covenant? This man that don't even claim to know God? The world, the uh, the unsaved the uh, person on your job? You mean they got more compassion on people that are hurting than you? <laughs> and he saw him and he said he had compassion on him. And look, he said, and went to him. He went to him. We have to learn to go to him sometimes went to him. And what did he do? He bound up his wounds. He started doctoring up his wounds. He had compassion on him. Can I tell you who this good Samaritan, I believe, is a type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because when everybody else passes you up, (laughs) he'll come to you. I'm telling you. And listen, it's going to happen from time to time. I hate to say it, but there's going to be people in church they're going to pass you up. Don't sit around moaning and groaning and pointing your finger at them. Just let Jesus Christ come and heal you. I like what Brian said when he opened And you were right on it. I could feel what you said. Stop pointing that finger at people. Stop blaming everybody. Get yourself in the presence of God. Get in an altar somewhere and let the good Samaritan wrap his arms around you. Let him pour in the oil and the wine. Let him fill you with the Holy Ghost. Let him give you victory. Let him pull you out of the hand of the devil. Let him change your life. And praise God, you'll see what God can do. The good Samaritan. He went where he was. He felt for him. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine. He set him on his own beast. If he were here today, he would put him in his car. He'd drive him to the hospital. He'd take him to the doctor. He'd find help. But more than that, he'd take him to Dr. Jesus. He set him on his own beast. He brought him to an end and he took care of him. That's Jesus. He'll take care of you. (laughs) And said on the morrow, tomorrow when he departed, he took out two pence and he gave them to the host and he said to him, he said, take care of him. Would you take care of this man? I'm going to give you some money and I want you to take care of this hurt, wounded man. And he said, whatsoever, if you cost you anything more than what I'm giving you, the next time I pass by and stop in here, I will pay you back whatever you spend. You know, it kind of reminded me of, you know, when he said, when I come again, I'll repay you. kind of reminded me of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes again. Rewards are going to be given out. To his children for the things that we've done to help other people. I don't mean just physically, I mean spiritually more than anything. To get people to heaven, to bring people to know him. We're going to be repaid for what we do. And I don't live for rewards. I don't live my life for the Lord to repay me and reward me for the things I do or what not. I don't even think about that. I very rarely even think about the reward that I'm going to get because I'm not concerned about getting rewards. I want my heart to stay right with him. I want to love people. I want to do my best to be a good preacher, be a good daddy, be a good husband, be a good whatever. I want to do my best to live my life right. And whatever rewards I get, praise God, let him give them. But I got a feeling some will probably be stripped. What about you? (laughs) I'd say every one of us. At the judgment seat of Christ, Paul said, things that we did, we didn't have the right motive. We didn't do it for the right reason. We might have thought we did. They'll be burned up before our very eyes, but yet our soul will be saved. (laughs) Ain't touching my salvation. Salvation is secure, but some of those works, some of those things, I, I... I, I don't doubt to say that probably every Christian on the face of this earth will lose something. Not all, but something because we had the wrong motive, we didn't do it for the right reason. And then there's other things that we, I, I'll say this, that we, we realize we didn't do it for the right reason and we said, oh God, forgive me, and it's washed away and it's forgotten. But I believe that we'll all probably have something burned up, but our soul will be saved. But nevertheless, we're going to live with Jesus forever. That's the greatest reward of all. So we're not concerned about titles and position. And like the disciples, who's the greatest in the kingdom? That spirit of competition Nothing worse than preachers and ministers and people competing with each other in the church. Who's the greatest? Who preaches the cross the best? Who, you got to lose all that. Jesus is the greatest. And we've got to keep our heart right with him. He said, Whenever I come again, I will repay you. And Jesus said this. I'm just about done. He didn't say, I'm just about done. He said this. Now which of these three do you think was a neighbor unto him? Okay, remember the man said, "Who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor?" Well, I'm good to everybody. I open doors for people, I give food to people, I do this. I keep my house clean, I keep I do I'm good. Who is my neighbor? I'm good. What do you mean I I'm good to everybody. And he said, Who do you think was neighbor unto him who fell among the thieves? And the man said, The lawyer said, The one who showed mercy on him. He got the answer right again. But listen to what Jesus said. He said unto him, You go and do it. Do it. You're talking it, but do it. Your neighbor is not just the person who lives beside you. Our neighbor is the drunk. Our neighbors are the lost. Our neighbors are some of the people on your job that Satan is trying to destroy. Our neighbors are some people in our families that Satan is trying to destroy, that God wants to give us an opportunity to bring them to Jesus so he can heal them, he can save them, he can free them. I'm thinking of people right now, especially one in my family, that I've, I've thought for 10 to 12 years, what is wrong with them? Why won't he listen? God wants to use him. God wants to turn his life around. And yet I still find myself praying for him, saying, Lord, get a hold of him. He's he's back in the same pattern. The devil will take you right back every time. You can't change yourself. You can't fix your problems. Only Jesus can do it. But I'm believing that someday, somehow, God, it may not be me. Maybe it would be somebody else. And that is fine with me to reach out to him, to bring him out of that garbage, to bring him to Jesus, that his life can be changed by the power of God, that the devil loses his hold on him. Our neighbors are the world. We don't condone sin. We don't condone people doing things wrong that's evil and, and they No, we don't do that. But we love people that are lost. And look, this really is geared more toward, I believe, toward those that Satan has taken. People in church, people that have backslidden, people that are away from the Lord. We, we, we're not the cure for everybody. We can't fix everybody, but we can bring them to the one who can. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. We're going to, I tell you what, we're going to do. We're going to pray tonight in closing. And if you know people tonight that you can think of in your heart, in your mind tonight, as we pray, I want you to bring them before the Lord. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to reach out to them and to use whoever He has to use to get a hold of them. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray tonight, God, that you would move. God, these people, Lord, you know who they are. You know where they are. The ones that are wounded, the ones that Satan has tried to take control of, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus right now. Lord, we claim victory, God. We claim deliverance, Lord. We pray that the good Samaritan, the shepherd, the chief shepherd from heaven would go to them. Lord, that you would open their eyes, that you would turn them from darkness and bring them to light, God. Lord, we ask you to help us to be that good Samaritan Lord to those that are hurt, those that are lost, those that are backslidden Lord we ask you to open our heart tonight that you would give us a greater love for people that you would soften our heart Lord that we would see people through the eyes of your spirit God that we would see their condition through the eyes of your word Lord that we would have compassion on them and that Lord we would reach them God that you give us opportunities Lord open the doors Lord for us to not walk by them but to walk to them Lord and Lord we pray tonight God that you continue to bless our church Bless the people here, those that are watching tonight. And I pray that the, for anybody that may be watching that has been beat down by the devil, God, that you bring them out tonight, that you pick them up, that you draw them. If there's people, Lord, who need to come back through the doors of this church, that you will draw them, that you will draw them to you, Lord, that you would help them to forget the past, to forget everything that's happened, Lord, and to go forward and to trust you and surrender to you. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the power of your spirit. We ask you to go with us as we leave tonight. Protect us. I ask you to bless every person in here, meet every need they have, those that are sick tonight that couldn't be here. Touch them, heal them, speak to them, deliver them, God, and bring us all back together again, Lord, at the appointed time. And we give you the praise for everything you've done and everything you're going to do In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless everybody. And if the trumpet don't sound, come back Wednesday night.
1: We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 seven four four zero seven seven four